text last night, offered their help for removing the snow and doing those things and getting on top of it. And we certainly appreciate everybody who, who pitched in. Thank you for everybody who filled in. Uh, mornings like this, certain situations require people to go to work that they don't have to go to work. Situations, people on call, several, a few things happened early this morning that we had to had some people jump in and help us. And we thank you so much for doing that. Um, go to the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter number two. You know, um, I feel as though the Lord has confirmed some things to me, even in this service today, he just kind of has driven some anchor points down just a little bit deeper. You know, the religious world, and I might say apostolic, Pentecostal, denominal churches as well, we all have been caught in a snare at one level or another. You know, it's kind of a two-edged sword. You know, churches compete with one another for membership. If you think all that posting on Facebook and, hey, look what the Lord's doing over here is just completely for the glory of God, I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You know, if we can have the best page, if we can have the best advertisements, you know, in our flesh there is a competitiveness in in, 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 in people. And in religion, there is a competition for membership. And um, if you don't get on top of that, then it creates a culture uh, that promotes what the local church can do for you. That's how it cuts going in. It cuts going out because then people come to expect the local church to produce something in them that can only be produced through personal devotion and obedience to God. And so when the local church isn't on its A game, when we ain't got all the pet plates spinning, then it doesn't look so good. Everybody feel what, everybody feel what we're talking about here. There is a ministry of the local body. Yes, there is. There's no doubt about it. It edifies itself in love. But I'm here to tell you today that every issue of the soul, every issue of salvation, sanctification, and ultimately our glorification, when our mortality takes on immortality, all of those things are exclusively, they exclusively belong to the Spirit of God. The religious church, and we got to be careful. I'm not against programs. I am not against, I gotta, I'm not against, I'm doing some editing here, as you can tell. This is how you edit when you got notes. The local church, and I'm not against programs. I'm not against those things. I'm not against putting our best foot forward. But only the Spirit of God can make you right. There's no song that'll get it done. 
I miss some of the old songs. I'd like to be able to get up here and sing the old Grand cross. Monday I might even break into it. And if there's no music, then you guys just have to bear with it. But I came to Jesus soon. The old rugged cross was sung on a Sunday night at about 7.38. Couldn't tell you anything else, but I remember singing that song, and I just broke before the Lord, and I said, I've, I've got to come back home. I've got to live for you, Lord. And an 18, 19-year-old boy just decided he was going to come back and live for God. Now, right here in this area right here and stain the tears, stain the carpet with my tears. And I miss some of those old songs. But I'm going to tell you something that we, and we can afford to change our genre of songs. We can afford to change how we, they're written as long as they're scriptural and as long as they glorify God. And as long as they tell a story of the greatness of God, then, then we biblically can stand on that. But one thing that we've got to make sure that we can never, ever, ever lose and that is the ministering presence of the very Spirit of God when we come together. I can't afford to miss that. Can't afford to miss that. I feel I've got something from the Lord today. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Beware lest any man spoil you so you can be spoiled through philosophy. And vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world. He's calling those things out. Philosophy, vain deceit, traditions of men, rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. That means those things are those things can be contrary to Christ very quickly. I like tradition. I like some tradition. It gives me some comfortability. But when that comfort takes me away from the ministering of Jesus Christ, we get ourselves way outside of bounds. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, look at your neighbor and say, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality. And power. I want to just simply minister today about being complete. Complete in Him. You can be seated. Thank you so much. You know, before creation, there was no being but God. It was Him and Him alone. And knowing the end from the beginning, before God spoke anything into existence... He purposed and determined how mankind would be made whole. He knows the end from the beginning and anything that he created, anything that he would create would be outside of himself. Therefore, therefore it could be subject to not being him. And he knew if he created man. And when he created man, he knows the end from the beginning. And man of his own free will would choose wrongly in the garden, even with a perfect atmosphere. And so before God ever spoke anything into existence, he purposed the plan at which man and all of creation, for that matter, would be made whole. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. In verse 14 of John 1 said, The Word was made flesh and it tabernacled among us. 
the thought, the plan, the idea. Jesus Christ, one place said that there was nothing that was not made that was not made by him and for him. Jesus Christ is the head of all principality and power. He said in one place, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Nowhere in Scripture did the Bible ever tell us that we have to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Savior is not something we accept. Savior is something that he is and does. It needs no acceptance from us. And you can accept Jesus Christ all day long, but if you don't make him Lord of your life, then the acceptance that, that you, you've, you've gained nothing, it does us absolutely no good. What Jesus Christ needs to do is to sit on the throne of your life. He's got to be Lord. He's got to be Lord. And I don't have to accept him. He's got to accept me. And the only way that I can be accepted by my heavenly father in this sinful state, in this state of imperfection, is through the blood, through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ. Not only do I come to God by Christ, not only can I approach the throne with boldness to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in the time of need, but I am also made complete. You see, because the only thing that was redeemed on the day you were born again was your spirit. Your body's not been redeemed yet. You still suffer corruption. Our spirit is the only thing that was redeemed. It's by the spirit that everything else is made into balance. Paul said when you get into this, you're going to have a battle between the flesh and the spirit. You're going to have issues with that because your body's corruptible and, and, it's, and it's not going to feel redeemed until the day that it is redeemed. And you're going to have to deal with that. And it's going to cause you a battle. But you see, not only are we, not only are we, can we come to God and be justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are made whole. We are made complete by Jesus Christ. The only person to ever stare the spirit of the world in the face and live perfectly was Jesus Christ. He is the standard. Every other human being has or is capable of spectacular failure. <laughs> you know, that doesn't excuse our sin or give us a license to sin. It actually does the opposite. It declares loud and clear every person's need for Jesus Christ. You know, if you've got your focus on an individual or a local church, you are going to live in disappointment to say the least. That doesn't make the church of no effect. No, the church is his body. The church is his bride. But pastor, that seems a bit anticlimactic when you don't promote your own church. Yes, hear me today. It is anticlimactic when our focus is on other people because we, we are capable of great failures and we're going to miss a note. And we're going to have people ditch the responsibilities that they, that they, they, don't, just, they just don't show up. That don't just happen in secular work, folks. It just happens. It's part of it. People are going to fail you. People are going to, they're not going to make decisions that you don't like. These are things that are going to happen. And you're just, you know, if you've got a spouse, you already know if you've lived very long in marriage, you know how that is, ladies. You know how he just does not do, he just does things that you just don't like. I'm still looking for something that, that Roberta does that I don't like. I'm still looking. Bless the name of the Lord. 
It seems a bit anticlimactic, Pastor, for you not to promote ministries in your church or to not promote the programs. Yes, it is anticlimactic, and I'm not against programs. I want the best. Listen, all that we do in word or deed, we need to do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. And I think the diligence at which I approach preaching is it should, should, should have diligence because I'm doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. I think the diligence that you approach singing or playing or learning or teaching a Sunday school lesson, I think it ought to be done with all of your might. I think it needs to be done with all of your spirit because you're doing it. Here's why. If you're doing it for the local church, you're going to get weary. If you're doing it for the local church or for the recognition, it's going to get old real fast. But if you're doing it in the name and for the name and unto him and only him because he's the head of all things. I believe in doing programs. But see, sometimes it seems anticlimactic in the church. And here's why it can be anticlimactic for our individual ministries. Because the glory is his. The kingdom is his. And the power is his. And it's all his forever. The challenge for all of us is that each of us has been able to find some wholeness in our life that comes from our individual pursuits, our careers, our education, our business, peer recognition. We've done things that, that, that we feel good about. We, we feel some wholeness because, you know, I brought home a paycheck this week. That's good. Let me tell you something. Every man in here, if you have a family, it's, it's not only good to bring home paycheck. That's spiritual. I think it's good that we feel some wholeness from some of the things we put our hands to. The Bible says very clearly in the book of Genesis that God blessed the work of Jacob's hand. But let us understand very clearly it was the work of Jacob's hand. I wonder if there's somebody in the building that you've been stirring. You've been in Pentecost for a long, long time, but the Spirit is itching at you. We've done a, God has blessed the hand of a lot of things that the church has put their hand on, but we're coming down to the home stretch here. We're coming down where the rubber's meeting the road, and we have spiritual foes that are facing us that the work of our hand is not going to get the job done, and we've got to rely totally on the Spirit and the presence of God. I guess I got to tell this joke. This preacher, he's got an opportunity to marry this beautiful woman. She is beautiful. She's beautiful. Whew, thinking, man, she's pretty. But she's, she can't add to his ministry at all. And then there's this, this ugly girl. But man, she can sing. I mean, when she sings, the just... The stadiums all over the world just open up. And he decides. He decides he's going to marry the ugly one. You know, for the ministry. Go on there. You know, they get married. They get married, you know. Take their time away. They do all the reception. They go to, the, you know, their little place and consummate the marriage and he wakes up the next morning he looks over at her 
And he says, sing, baby, sing. Because I need something to remind me, hear me, why I just got into this relationship. I need you to remind me why I'm here. Let me tell you something. I believe we're coming, in above, we're coming into a place where God's going to break this thing wide open. And we come into our churches, it's not going to be some of the things that we've looked at and we thought that held the glory. But we're going to come to a place where we're going to go, oh, Lord, I need you. I, uh, Lord, I, I, I need you. I need you to, I, I need a reminder of why I started this thing in the first place. And when we look over, we're going to say, Lord, I need you to do your thing. I need you. I'm telling you. You know why the Lord will do his thing? When you stop trying to do your thing. When you stop trying to make this the way. I'm here to tell us right now. It can seem anticlimactic, but it's because his glory. His glory. We can get trapped into those things. I'm thankful for what I'm able to do with my own hand. But the reality is those things don't translate to the kingdom. One psychologist said it this way. He said, in response to the great need that overwhelms our churches, the spirit of the world has commissioned an entire industry of professionals to dispense just enough help to keep people from experiencing a genuine breaking before God in true repentance. If I can just get some help here, make me feel better about me. Do you know, I have said this before, but you know, the old thing says you got to learn to forgive yourself. It's a lie from hell. Thank you. Got the young ones with me. Pastor said, that's a lie from hell. You got to forgive yourself. You know what that's telling you? That's the world saying that you're your own God. That is to suggest that when Jesus forgives you, it's not enough. You see, that's why we get ourselves into trouble because we think we've got to feel a certain way. We think we've, something's got to line up right in our, in our mind before it works right. No, it's got to line up with the word of God before it will work right. And I'm not against counseling. I'm not against those things. I don't, don't, don't read into what I'm saying. But a lot of times we have these things, all these professionals, they give us, they want to give you just enough to keep you bound in what you're doing because it, 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 it moves to, a, to an issue that is, that is just kind of uh, the, the symptom and not, not, not the problem. And this, I'm talking about the spirit of the world now. They give us just enough help, hope, help to keep us from experiencing a genuine breaking before God in true repentance. I'm here to tell this church today, I, have, I feel so comfortable. I feel my help in the Lord. I'm here to tell anybody under the sound of my voice, do you know what the church needs as much as it needs anything else? It needs for every person to lay their pride at the door and for us to have a true breaking before God in repentance. You might as well take the cloak off. The Lord already sees it anyway. You might as well put off, take off the facade. He already sees it. And let me say, if you're worried about your brother because of what they'll say, they can't say anything because they themselves need a breaking before God. Huh. If I spoke anything in the spirit, I just spoke it. You're in this building listening to the sound of my voice, and we need a, we need a true repentance of breaking before God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Rather than embrace biblical concepts of self-denial and death to self, all too often believers run to the experts who provide alternative answers that keep people locked in a prison of self-centeredness. And even the church has enthusiastically embraced the worldly approach. The fact is that we live in a world with real, deep-seated emotional issues, and the church cannot lose sight of the cure. And the cure is Jesus Christ alone. If it's Jesus alone, oh, my, 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 my. Oh, what's that old song say? When you look full in his wonderful face, the things of this world grow strangely dim. I think it's turn your eyes on Jesus. I'm telling you where this is going. I'm telling you where all this is going before the before I'm telling you where all this is going up until the day that the Lord splits in the, the eastern sky and he takes his church home. Pre, post, mid, after, before, pre-chip, post-chip, pray before you eat, pray after you eat, pray in the middle of when you eat, I don't know when you whatever you are. But until that time comes, I'm telling you, there is going to be a revival of the preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our eyes are going to turn on him. I'm here to tell everybody in this building, Brian Spooner in himself has got nothing to offer you. CAC within itself has got nothing to offer you that is any greater than Jesus Christ himself. You want to know why we're struggling with some of our stuff? I'm feeling a little help in the Holy Ghost right now. We're relying on our talent to do what needs to be done in the sanctuary, and I like good music. I like good preaching. I like good stuff like that. But you know what we really need? We need to ministry of the spirit that goes beyond our talent now listen to me that doesn't mean I ditch the talent and I don't be diligent to it because then you're just undermining the whole cause as well I've got to do all that I know to do but on the end of that has to then be turning it over to God and giving him the ability to do what only he can do And I'm here to tell you, we live in a world that needs in their souls and in their lives and in their homes what only Jesus Christ can do. We need a revival of old-fashioned Christianity. We need a revival of old-fashioned long-suffering and love and gentleness and meekness and temperance and, and faith. Hallelujah. He said, you got to be aware of philosophy and vain deceit. Uh, You serve your God. You look for your truth. You look for, oh, that's his truth. That's it. Truth was a person before it was ever a doctrine. Take that home and study it. I am the truth. I am the truth. Let me hasten here. John 5, verses 1 through 6 reads this. And after there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by a sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, I got a, I got a couple of pictures. They may put those up there, a couple of. You got those pictures back there, sis? 
There, there's, there's one of them. And me and Bishop are in Israel, and there's another. That's uh, the area of Bethesda, the pools there. They are excavating those things and finding all of that stuff. So down in that area, of course, you know, they see the ladder in the upper thing there. They didn't use a ladder to get up and down back in those days. That's just because a lot of stuff is underground. When something is, when something's conquered, they just bury it, and then they build on top of it. So they're excavating. So there is the five porches. You, there's a few other pictures, but that's just a couple of them. That's Bethesda. That's where what we're talking about took place. There lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the water to move. Waiting for the water to move. I'm waiting for the right song. I'm waiting for the right thing to be said. Well, what happens if the wrong thing's said? You know, there's a lot of times people have ditched their relationship with Christ because the wrong thing was said, and he didn't have nothing to do with it. Is this about the local church? Is it about the pastor? Is it about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ and having an intimate knowledge and relationship with the one who actually nailed himself, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross for your life? I don't know about you, but that's the one I want. We have to put up with the other relationships. We've got to learn to live peaceably with all men and love our brother as ourselves. That's part of, uh, part of keeping ourselves under subjection to one another. That's part of the law of Christ, but I've got to deal with that. But do you really have to deal? Oh. Do we really have to deal with Jesus Christ? Do I really got to tolerate him? Do I got to put up with him? No, he's sweet. Oh, that presence. Oh, that peace. Oh, that joy. When I come into the presence of Jesus, everything else just takes a backseat. All these things begin to melt away. There is nothing better than in prayer in the middle of the night when all kinds of anxieties will rip your brain and you feel the peace of God settle into your spirit and tell you, it's all right, child. I'm on top of it. You can go back to bed. There's nothing better than relationship with the one who said, let there be light. There are people that are so offended by their local church and people and preachers that they have shut out the very voice of Jesus Christ. I'm here to rescue you today. I may fail you. I'll do my best, but Jesus doesn't know how to fail you. And if you're in love with him, you'll love me. You'll love your brother. You'll love your sister. You'll have unity. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. I wonder if you just raise your hand just for a moment. Can you feel a witness of the Holy Ghost? Can you feel a witness of the Spirit in this place today? I have not come. Thus saith the Lord, I didn't come to destroy your life today. I came to save it. Woo! Waiting for the moving of the water. An angel went down a certain season in the pool, troubled the water, and whosoever was the first into the troubling water stepped. Uh, they got in, they were made whole of whatever disease they had. A certain man was there, had an infirmity, 38 years. He had an infirmity, 38 years. He was married, 38 years. Hey, some marriages are infirmities. Just ask your wife. We already, we already accomplished that. We've already settled that issue, I think. Young man, don't look at it. You're not all that, Okay. 
you young man are sitting in this front row, you're not all that. But I am so thankful for the direction you're headed. I will tell you that. Praise God. He had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him there, he knew he had been there now in a long time in that case. The Lord knows how long you've been in your situation. He knows exactly how long you've been laying there in that case. How you've been coming and how you've been going. He knows your uprisings and our downsettings. He knows all of it. And he says to the man, do you want to be made whole? He didn't say, what song you want me to play? He didn't even say, hey, somebody go get a rock and throw it into this pool so the waters can be troubled so I can do my thing. Because if the waters aren't troubled, I can't do my thing. Somebody hear the Spirit, the Spirit speaking to us today. He only, needs, he only needs one thing to do his thing. He wants you to answer the question. He wants you to believe in him and in him alone. This man had been in his condition a long time. His way was not getting, nor would it ever get the job done for him. His way of doing it for 38 years was not getting it done. I'm here to tell somebody today, the way you've been doing it, there's a reason it's not getting done, and it's not the Lord's fault. Notice his response to the Lord's question. Well, I've consistently did the same thing for 38 years. I'm faithful. I'm here. I, it won't find me. It won't find me nowhere else. Bless God. When they, when they sing, when the saints go marching in, I'm going to be right there in my seat. 38 years I've been faithful. I've been coming to the same pool, and I've been waiting for the troubling of the water. But it seems like when the water troubles, somebody else always gets in there before me. And I, don't, so I, I just can't do it. I've been faithful to the routine in my process. And the man was sincere in his response. But hear me, he was still paralyzed. We might be sincere. I have, I'm ministering in the Holy Ghost today. I, 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 we might be sincere of what we've been trying to do for God and what we've been trying to get a hold of and why we've gone about it the way we've gone about it. But this man was still paralyzed. He was sincere, but he was still paralyzed. I don't want to be sincere and still walk out without having the, ten, the relationship and out having the cleansing, without having the restoration without having the healing of my soul that only Jesus can give. I'm waiting for the perfect time, Lord. I'm waiting for the ceremonial opportunity. This is only for message sake. Do not obey this. Let everyone stand. I'm waiting for that time. The ceremony, and I understand that. I, I, I get that part. But I'm also here to tell you something. You want revival? You want something to break out in the service? You let an individual right in the middle of it. I don't care if the middle of the preacher's preaching. I've had him come down the aisle before. Drug addict and his wife come right down the aisle going, I, 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 we just got to have what you're talking about. We just got to have what you're talking about. You think I, no, here's what I did. That's all great and good. I've got to finish this. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to say, let's all stand. And when I say all stand, we're going to come up. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you real good. That's it, right back. We're going to go through a process. No. You know what I did? I put my microphone down. I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. We need to pray with these people in the altar. They repented. We, 
I put them down in a baptistry that wasn't even my church. It was another church. Imagine that. Imagine baptizing them in another church. Well, you bless God. If you come to church on Sunday with me, I can get you baptized then. Listen, man, they needed Jesus. I'm here to tell you, it is right now. Jesus said to that man, you've been here for 38 years. You've been going through the same motions, and it hasn't gotten it done. And I simply want you to ask you one question, and it's the same question that the Lord wants you to answer today. Who wants to be made whole? It's really just about being that simple. Who wants to be made whole? I've got a profound truth that I'm going to uncover today. we got people that have not been in the hell they're in right now long enough for them to swallow their pride and say, I'm not whole and I need to be made whole. Your pride will do one thing for you. It will send you to hell. Your pride will separate you from God. As a matter of fact, the Lord said he resists the proud. That means if you have pride, he can't even do anything for you. But he gives grace to the humble. You know, when I needed to repent, I didn't go up there and say, hey, folks, I'm standing up. I'm repenting for adultery. I'm repenting for fornication. I'm, prefent- I- I'm repenting because of, of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, pornography. Oh, I'm inventing because I stabbed a guy at the stop and go yesterday. And you get up and walk to this altar and you move to a place. You know, what the, al- the altar is not about prayer. You know what an altar is? An altar is now what it always has been in the eyes of God. It's a place where something goes to die. That is why I believe we need, yes, can you die at your, at your seat? Absolutely you can. But we got enough people that have sat in their seat and have not moved to an altar to die. And I just know that moving our place of expectation, saying, I'm not coming here to put a show. I'm coming here to die because I've been in this condition long enough. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord asking me, do you want to be made whole? Can we raise our hands in this building right now? Don't worry about what's going to happen next in this message. Don't worry about what you have to do. You see, if you've if you got a little anxiety of what you know you need to do before you leave this building today, that's just your flesh trying to prevent you from God. That's just your flesh saying, wait for a better time. Wait for a better ceremonial time. Wait until the music's high. Wait until, the, wait, wait, wait until there's a better message. Wait until, wait until there's more. Not, not so many people here, but I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, His Spirit is in this building today, and He is looking at individual lives, and He's not asking you to give excuses. He's not asking about your sincerity. He says you're in a bad condition and all I want to know is do you want to be made whole? Gentlemen, you'll never have a ministry if you can't minister Jesus Christ. If you can't minister, if you can't minister what the power of the blood does. If you can't minister the the saving grace and the saving power of the name of Jesus Christ, if when we preach Jesus Christ, people don't get all, people don't get moved, we're in a bad place. I'm going to tell you, gentlemen, something right now. There's nothing deeper than an intimate relationship with God. You know why? Because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but when you have a deep relationship with God, you can walk up to an individual and that the gifts of the Spirit can operate. And all of a sudden there's compassion. And there is, there's empathy. And the Spirit of the Lord says, I know where that child is. And it's not to call him out. It's to say, the Lord knows where you are. And he wants to minister to you today. 
and you don't have, you have all kinds of knowledge, but give me somebody who's been alone with Jesus Christ. Give my, I love great piano playing, but I'd like to have a piano player who plays great, who knows how to be alone with Jesus Christ, because there's something that goes on the end of his fingers. There's something that goes on the end of her voice. Somebody hear me today. We are looking for one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, because we, none of us will ever be complete without Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's Jesus Christ. I'm saying it forever. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. We got to get ourselves unstuck from a lot of religious stuff because our, a lot of our relationship is with our local church and its abilities and its personalities. And I'm not saying that's fine or they're tied in there, but those things can never take the place of your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I tell you what, brother, I appreciate you, and you encourage me more than you will ever know. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm telling you, it's the relationship with Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in our lives. I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate our accountability. I appreciate that more than you ever can know in this earth. But Jesus Christ is the answer to everything that ails us. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, not your God, the only God, and love your neighbor as yourself. If the world just did that, what other proof do we need that he's the way? the truth, and the life when we know if we just did those two things. This world would be turned on its ear if all the world just did. What else do we need to prove it? Ah, I've got to finish. Who's asking the question today? Uh, Jesus didn't use the troubling of the waters back then. He wasn't concerned with ceremonial opportunity. The man said, the waters are troubled, but I don't get in. And they, they, they've, they were just troubled last week. And I missed it, so I got a whole other year. Jesus wasn't concerned about the troubling of the waters then or ceremonial opportunity then. And I would contend that he's really not using that today either. We've gathered here today. We've prayed. We've sang. We've worshiped. We've praised. But I wonder if there's anybody in the building that can hear the voice of Jesus Christ simply ask us, do you want to be made whole? And if so, you don't have to wait for the traditional time. Jesus has already knows and hears all the reasons why previous times that you've done, previous attempts have been unsuccessful. Let me finish with this. In Matthew chapter 14, the Bible said they were gone over. They came to the land of Gennesaret and the man of that place had knowledge of him. They sent out all in the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. And he besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 says, but unto, uh, but unto you that fear the name of the Lord, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. That wings, of course, if you didn't study, that's the the tallit, the, 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 the strings, those, those things that were sewn in the corners of the garments that the rabbis wore. That's what that wing means. That's what that means. And we see healing in his wings. That, that, that word wings, we're thinking wings. No, it, it's the things that are on the wings of his garment. So she knew. That's why she said in herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, 
he's the one. He'll have healing in those wings. He'll have healing in that garment. And she reached out and touched him. And he's, you know, the scripture said uh, he was thronged. And he looked at his disciples and said, who touched me? And Master, all these people are thronging you. And you want to know who touched you? He said, yeah. He said, yeah. People are touching you all over. Yeah, no. Somebody went beyond the veil. Somebody went beyond the flesh part, and they touched the virtue. There was virtue. There was something. They actually, they didn't, they, oh, my, my, my. They didn't touch my body. They touched me. They didn't touch that. They, they touched me. They went beyond the flesh part. I want you to know something. You want to be made whole, you got to touch him. Blind Bartimaeus said, I got to get your attention. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, I got to touch him. The man at the pool of Siloam had to have the mud put on his eyes. He had to go wash the adulteress that came there. And they were going to stone her. And he said, you were there without sin. Go ahead and cast the first stone. I want to say this to people, to all of us that are in this building today. When we, when we come to come before the Lord and talk with him and do some repenting and do some breaking, let he that is without sin cast the first stone. There's people like Steve Sims, Dave Grant, Tiffany Howe, Janie Hoover. Jesus Christ has been transforming people for nearly 2,000 years. And I'm rising to this pulpit to declare to you that he is still the only way, truth, and life. Stand with me. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have to touch him. You have to touch him. What if we might raise our hands all over this building one more time? <laughs> oh, Lord. Father, we need a revival of you. I've been a little discouraged with my local assembly. I've been a little discouraged with the this situation and that situation, I've been a little, keep your hands raised, I've been a little worried about this, I've been a little, but Lord, I, there's something gone way beyond that, I, I need to rest on you today, I wonder, I wonder, before they even begin to sing any song, I wonder if there's somebody that'll have the boldness to step out and say, if you'll have the boldness to step out and move to this place and let something in you die. Bring to this altar a place of repentance and bring to this altar a place of death. You'll rise to your feet, move into this place. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young man. It takes something to have, it takes something to be the first one that moves. Listen, folks, there's not a person in this building that does not need a genuine breaking before God. Jesus Christ is the only way that you're going to make it through this thing alive. Uh, but I have, I've committed to him and other people have hurt me. Welcome to the life of Jesus Christ. He committed himself to the way of the Father to do all the things that the Father would command him to do. And that's all that he ever did was the things that Father would command for him to do. And yet they crucified him. And yet they, they offended him and they, they beat him and slapped him and called him a, they called him a devil. Called the work that he was doing the work of the devil. Come on, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a word of the Lord right here, and you don't have to obey it if you don't want to. But that prayer's got to come out of your heart. It's got to get out of your mouth. You need to lift your voice.
I'm telling you right now, you need to lift your voice. You can't let that. It's not meditation time. You got to let what's in your spirit out, out of your mouth. Nobody's listening to you. You're, you they're, they're worried about, they're, they're, they're speaking their own. They're speak, you got to let that out. That's it. Let it out of your mouth. Let it out of your mouth. Right down from the deep of you. Let it out of your mouth. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus, Father, I am telling you, we need a revival. We need a revival, Lord. of the ministering of your spirit. Father, I have missed it. I recognize that the work is great, but I am praying, Lord, that you give us a mind.